Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. And welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and it's great to have you with us here today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So let's get straight into today's show. The world is full of salons, and oftentimes they all start to look and feel the same. But then occasionally you see something or you talk to someone and you realize that they have taken a different path and that they have different values and that they have had the courage to pursue their own vision of what a salon should not only look and feel like, but also how it should operate as a business and how it should integrate into the community and the lives of both the clients and the people who work there. My guests on today's podcast are Toby Dicker and Amanda Faith, who are the co-founders and partners in the Chapel Salon Group based in and around London. In today's podcast, we're going to discuss the importance of nurturing the individual, the client experience and how you make people feel, and charging for services based on time, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Amanda and Toby. Oh, I feel really humbled and privileged to be here today to, um, although I'm talking to a screen, I, I feel privileged to be able to talk to lots of hairstylists and business owners out there that are probably feeling exactly like I am right now. So it's really nice to feel like I can, uh, we're all together, which is nice. So thank you for asking me. My absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, I know that you're both going to have a lot to, you know, to bring to the conversation. I should just let our listeners know that the three of us, are all in three totally different locations. So if there's any uh, overlap where we talk over the top of each other, uh, we're trying to avoid that, but it may happen once or twice. So, uh, so Toby, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much for having me. Um, looking forward to, to discussing what we do and possibly learning something new myself as we go through things. So thanks very much. Good. Okay, fantastic. Um, well, let's start where we always start. I always get my guests to sort of introduce themselves um, and, and sort of give their, you know, their two-minute backstory. So, you know, what is the chapel and, and who are uh, Amanda and Toby? Give us your sort of two-minute backstory and then we can sort of dig in deeper afterwards. Okay, well, I guess that's, that's me first then. Um, who am I? I am a somebody that's really passionate about what I do every single day. And I guess it started way back when I was really young, like most of us, I can imagine. I remember telling my mom I wanted to be a hairdresser. And my dad said, well, I remember telling my dad, actually, I wanted to be a window dresser. And he said, oh, you'd only be good enough for, to work in Dave's Fruit and Red Shop. So I kind of looked around and thought, what else is creative and um, inspiring and help people feel good? So I picked hairdressing and I've never regretted any of it, really. I've evolved myself and what hairdressing is all about I, I think and hopefully um leaving um something behind that inspires other people to join this amazing industry really that just keeps evolving because of what's happening around us and um that's really where the chapel came from I think I've been hairdressing for many years in the salon and I decided at the age of 26 which was quite old in those days to sort of go backpacking which I did and 
I remember coming home and for some reason ending up in a different town in the UK and um, working in a wine bar. And actually it was kind of similar because I felt like I was helping people feel really good, but it was a different product. It was obviously drinking. Um, But I soon got, like we do, got to speak to women about um, their hair. And what I noticed was really we were talking about experiences rather than their hair. And um, I really took on board what, at that time, what people really maybe disliked about going to the hairdressers. And it was generally experiences that they remembered and held on to that prevented them from moving forward, whether it was with their hair or, or going back to the salon. So for me, it was, um, I remember taking a, a lady upstairs into where I was living at the time and sitting her on the sofa and having a cigarette and a glass of wine at the time and, and really noticing that actually it was a nice way of actually getting some people to talk about themselves and really what, how they wanted to wear their hair. And I think it was that was the light bulb moment. Actually, you can do things differently and um, treat people differently and give them a different experience. So I think then I was on this sort of like mission to think, okay, I've absorbed and listened to everything they dis- disliked about it. And I remember as a stylist at that time in the industry, we were like getting busier and busier and busier, back to back people. And maybe we were working on commission and it got quite a little bit ugly because it became more money orientated rather than, what I would call creative, which is why I joined the industry, is to help people feel good and look good and, and be creative with what I was doing and having the time to be able to do that. But actually, at the time, it was, it was time-starved. Um, so I was on a little mission, really, I think, to go and maybe do something a little bit different and give people an experience and time given to people to help them feel good. And that's when the um, universe sort of helped me make, meet Toby, which was the other part of my brain, which is... I always bless him, call him my brown envelope, the person that kind of like um, dealt with the other side of the business. So I'll let you, I'll let you explain that part, Toby. <laughs> Who am I? Um, I'm individually, um, I suppose from, from my point of view, it, it's, it's someone who's, who's, very, who's, who's very competitive, who's very logical, who likes to solve problems. Um, and as what I saw when, when, when Amanda and I met at the wine bar was that she was talking about doing these ideas and she was full of passion and zest and, and, I, and there, was, there was all that belief, but she didn't have the, the other side of things as, as, as she described. Um, and, you know, I really believed in that and, and, and I felt that it was, it was a great opportunity to do something different. And, and I think in business you can be cheaper, better, or different, or two of those things. And, and, and being different was, was what attracted me to, to, to working together. Um, and, 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 it, and, and, and led to the creation of, of, uh, of the chapel through, through a business called Number Nine, which was a small salon of four or five chairs. Um, and Amanda was just about to go into business with somebody else uh, who she'd met. And I said, they're going to rip you off. And, and to be honest, we, we were just starting dating at the time. And um, I felt that I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile those two things. I couldn't see Amanda be completely ripped off by somebody who, who, who was just in it for the money and, and didn't have that other passion. It's taken us years to develop the chapel and the concept and the ideas. But, but the, I think the one thing we have between each other more than anything is that absolute trust. Now, mm-hmm. my trust that Amanda will deliver on what she saying and belief in, in her ideas and from my point of view um the other side of it which was that you know i put the business on what i always called solid foundations 
build build things on rock. Don't try and over expand. Don't try and overdo things. Um, and and build it on a real strong rock bed. And then and then you've got the opportunity of creating something special and different. And hopefully that's what we're going to do. We're still on that journey. Um, and I've made tons of mistakes along the way, extremely costly ones, but I think it could be our time now. Mm, okay. So you're not a hairdresser, Toby? No, no, never was, uh, never have been. I, I initially, I, um, I, I, I did the brown envelopes. I did the accounting. I started to learn and self-taught myself around that sort of stuff. Uh, in between times after we'd started the salon, I actually went off and, and uh, trained to be a pilot and, and flew for a few years. Wow. Um, but running your own business was was much more much more my passion. Uh, the fact that we could be self determined, I think that's the the biggest thing with with running a business. It's it's incredibly hard and incredibly stressful. But um, that self determination is something that's obviously a big attraction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I have a, com- a confession to make, uh, and we touched on this a little bit before we started recording, and it's that. Originally, I wanted to focus on talking to you about your approach to pricing as there's not a lot of salons that do what you do with your pricing model. And I know that there's a lot of people who are interested in it, but I always do some research before I interview people, um, especially if I don't know them. And I'm blown away by a lot more than just your pricing, because there's an entire philosophy and culture you know, about your business and your values and how you think about service and caring for people. And I found that really refreshing. And the more time I spent on your website and reading about you and your business, then, you know, the more intriguing and inspiring I found it. So I'm really excited about, you know, talking to you about both those things during the next hour, because what became very apparent was that they both very much sort of fed into each other. And, uh, and that's, you know, I've been in the industry a long time, but that's what I found exciting. You know, I was, you know, sort of digging into to your business and, and who you are and what you do and, and how you do it. So is it sort of the typical partnership? I think I know the answer to this already, uh, that there often is in partnerships um, where one of those people is the left brain, the other one's the right brain. One of them is the, the rational business thinker. The other one is the more emotional you know, soulful sort of person. Is that a fairly, you know, is that a fair description to put to it? I'm the soulful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the soulful, emotional one, Toby, yeah? I'm glad you got it. Oh, I was going to say, glad you got it right. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So so you, you're the person who, you know, Amanda, as I was sort of researching, it sort of really became apparent that there was a very strong, you know, feminine um philosophy, ethos, culture, values. Um, there was a very much a sort of a caring, you know, side to the business. It really sort of came through as it wasn't just sort of PR speak, that it really felt real. And I, I just, I, I always make notes and stuff. And the one word I wrote down was soulful. The, the business seemed to have a real soul. It wasn't just PR speak. And I think that that's quite a special, you know, thing to capture. So, so, so talk to us a little bit about that. I know you've already started on it when you were talking about, you know, taking a client upstairs and sitting on the couch and connecting and engaging. But I think there's so much in that. And, you know, there were lots of videos on your website that were sort of, you know, um, explaining your journey and, and how the business has evolved. And, and I think it really opened up into that well. So um, tell us a little bit about that. I think what was really nice when you said that, I kind of still get goose pimples because, 
I'm really touched that you got that from my from from our website, really, because for many years, you know, like most of us all like to see the shiny and the glossy and the story in a magazine. But for me, it's really about what you read or what you see on our stuff. It's real. It's real inside deep stuff. It's about my experience. It's about the experience I've had as a hairstylist through my career, how I felt, how I wanted to help other stylists to feel better and more worth about themselves. And also connecting that on a customer's point of view as well, how they felt about going to the stylist, how they felt about going to a salon. And I think through the last sort of 25 years, all I've ever done is connected to them both. I've never left sight um, being keeping connected, feeling the customer, keep connecting with our stylists, keep feeling them. And how can I empower them? How can I get them to really understand what that experience feels like when you go into a salon. So people always say, oh, it's okay for you, you've got these lovely buildings or you're really clever at interior. Actually, none of that is actually true. It's about what you see is about what I feel when people are going to a salon. So, you know, the buildings are there because I wanted the stylist to feel like they weren't going into a salon every day. I wanted them to feel empowered because they're going into a big, solid building that represented them. And I also wanted a, a customer to come along and felt like she was going to a place where it was a community. It's somewhere that you can go and let go of yourself and be yourself and be trusted to talk to somebody to help you feel more you. Um, and if we can just do that in a small amount of hour that that guest has, then that's always touched me so much more than just looking at them as if they're a service. I don't feel like we give a service. I feel what we an experience of some helping someone feel good about themselves so i think when you've said that it really sings deep because this is really deep to me it's not just it's my story about how i feel about i feel that most stylists feel i think they've never really felt their worth and i think through this time that we've had over the last two years i've been singing my arms up in the air about finally i think i can see stylists feeling their worth through um, the guests sharing how they've missed their stylists or what they mean to them. So, mm. yeah, what you see is um, my experience. That's all. It's not because I'm clever. It's just how I feel I then represent it. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I know you've got six uh, salons, and I want to talk about the design sort of side in a minute. But first of all, I, one of them's in London and the other five, well, four of them are in the sort of South of England. Um, for our audience that are not English, who don't really understand those locations, how would you describe the locations as to where you've put the salons? Because they're interesting buildings in their own right, but, but they're not all in London. One of them's in London. Why do you, why have you sort of put them in the locations that you have? I mean, in terms of in terms of where they are, obviously finding finding the buildings has been a really really important part of it. But those towns, to be fair, most of our it, most of our decisions have been made with gut, with gut instinct. What feels right, what has felt right, um, and going back to uh, well, looking specifically the towns we are. I, I was born and bred in this town, Tunbridge Wells. That's where Amanda and I met. The chapel then came up, okay. and that's how that developed. But the towns themselves are, I suppose. Uh, places where people would move when they're going to start a family, um, you know, comfortable uh, country-like towns so you can get out to the countryside very easily and just nice places to be. They're not going to set the world on fire, but they are nice places to be. And, um, you know, 
the, the places people aspire to be, I suppose, as much as anything else. That that makes sense. And 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 for us, it's been about making sure there's a market who 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 appreciate the going back to what Amanda was talking about, the experiences and 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 where and, and what it is. I think I, I'm sorry to take you back, but one of the things I re- I've always talked about is is going back to um, how people feel and the experiences. We talked about how how you sell things, and I talked before about. Um, if, if we're all selling just haircuts, right, then, then and that all of those haircuts are the same, like you buy bread in the supermarket, what is the consumer's choice? The consumer is then choosing to shop around on price. And if they're shopping around on price, then there is no margin in that, and then people start to discount. And I think the unique part about what Amanda said is that we're more deeply connecting with people. I think society as a whole through social media and, and everything else is actually disconnecting and therefore, what, what, what we're actually doing as hairdressers or what, you, what we can do is really connect in a really human way with people. And I think that is the thing that adds value above all else. Uh, and one of the examples I've always said is, do you go to a restaurant because you're hungry? And I'd say 90% of the time, no, you don't. You go to a restaurant to have a, an experience with friends, to share social time, to bond, to do those different things. And I think... that that helps things turn things on their head you know the the difference with a restaurant is not necessarily what you eat it's the time that you have there and if that server makes you feel great if that uh, person looking after you makes you feel great then they add a huge amount more value you are much more likely to go back and I think investing in the way Amanda had in, in creating conversations not consultations means that that value is very much added and, and that's what we invest in. And that's possibly, again, going back to why we charge by time, why we charge by time. You know, mm. there are different ways to look at it. But most people who are selling their expertise charge by time. And, and if we look at that, and we can, we can investigate further with further questions. But that's yeah. around that thing. So the town is very much, let's, let's be aspirational. Let's be a place that restaurants can survive and good places can survive because that's important to have a great business. Um, but at the same time, let's make sure that more than anything, we invest in that consumer experience. Um, and, and, and even you said the word clients, Amanda started the, the phrase guests a long, long time ago, uh, which seems to be very much something that's been picked up in America. And, and Amanda was a Redkin artist for a long time. And that, that spread like wildfire, but it's treating people like a guest in your home is changing that experience, is changing the, the feeling around what we do. And, and um, yeah, that, that's the way I, I see it anyway. Mm, okay. I think also with the buildings, it was, we've, for me, it was important not to have that vibe that if you say hairdressing salon, a guest would actually feel what a hairdressing salon felt like. So by taking it off of the high street, um, kind of gave them a different kind of thought process around it and I think what what was just interesting that we ended up in a in the, the first salon was a butcher shop the second one was a chapel that a chapel or a church is a place where it's a community it's people like to come and feel feel connected with other people and I think that's in a way it's it made us sort of grow slowly because the buildings were important to us we could probably maybe have opened much many more salons just going and opening doors but the building actually was part of the original concept of how I could help people feel good as a customer and a stylist. So that's why I think we've grown slowly because it's really difficult to find buildings like that. 
Mm, okay. We nearly did. We, we nearly did actually uh, do do open lots of doors. But there was a national chain of gyms who wanted to use our concept and our name. And the day before we were going to go into that thing, we, we decided we couldn't do it. It just wasn't us. And so yeah. financially that may well have put us on a good road, but it definitely wasn't us and it wasn't true and authentic. And that's why we didn't do it. So we pulled, that, pulled out of that. Yeah, that's a, a really important, you know, component to have. And, um, you know, just, just going back to what you were talking about before with the location of the salons, it, it's interesting. I see this all around the world that in big cities that, Oftentimes people want to open, like in London, in the middle of the West End, because that's where you get credibility that I'm an international name. I'm a very successful hairdresser here. But what I often notice is that the people that are actually successful, the people who actually have good businesses, um, are not in the middle of these big cities, that they are more likely to be in the sort of areas that you're in which is sort of, you know, what I would com- refer to as, you know, commuter belt, you know, that I'm sure a lot of your clients commute or their husbands or wives commute into central London every day, but your salons are in these sort of um, aspirational, you know, towns and satellite cities uh, in and around sort of London. Um, and I see real advantages to that. One of the advantages is that I always find that the sort of staff you attract are more likely to be stable, um, that there's, you know, there's a lot less sort of movement of people. There's, there's more, more um, you know, loyalty, less transient sort of staff populations. Um, is that something that you're sort of aware of or do you think I'm overplaying that? For me, I've not really, what you're saying I, I get, but for me it was about building like community. And I think when you look around the world, Communities are built, built around places like schools and pubs. And, you know, it's like there's a, there's a sort of sanctuary around it. And I think London for us, we're in London, but we're actually in, in, in a, what I call is similar to all the other salons because actually it's, it's like a little village part yeah, of London yeah. where we are. And I think that was really important. We went to look around London, but we actually wanted to find a community little fibre around it. We didn't go to London because we thought we should go to London. We went to London because... The people that the guys that started London were, were lived in London, and we wanted to give them an opportunity to open something really different and better than maybe what, where they were before. And so yeah. I think it's about for us where we choose is about the people and the buildings. And yeah. when we find a building, we then hopefully build people that want to come and be a part of our team. And I think that's crucial. That's important. So. I think it's about the destination first and the people. And if you can marry them both together, then actually you will attract the right customer. Yeah. Well, that was one thing that, you know, I know you've got a whole series of videos on your website about individuality. And as you just alluded to, you've got a salon in a, in a schoolhouse, you've got a salon in a chapel, you've got a salon in an old Victorian pub. Um, all of those are very individual, unique spaces. Yes. And, you know, I'm encouraging all the listeners to go onto the, the, the website and have a yeah. look at the salons because they have the most unique individual spaces. That, that, I mean, I, the first thing I look at the chapel and go, oh, my God, that must be a nightmare to keep warm you know, because, <laughs> it's, because it's got such high, you know, ceilings, et cetera. Um, but they're beautiful spaces to work in. Um, who, who does the design component of it? Because it's... It's not obvious, obviously, that they're all from the same company. They're all unique designs within their own right, but they still capture 
what your values are all about in terms of the design element. So, so talk to us about the design side of it. Yeah, the design really, I mean, it, it's a mixture of Toby and I really. Um, but from my point of view, if I can add this part, um, as we grew, I never wanted to grow as a big, mighty brand. I always wanted to keep us growing as individuals. So we look for a building and then whoever's in that building, I want to make sure we use the personality of those people in it because we are all individual and I don't want to grow us all looking and being the same. And each building has a different individual vibe, you know, but when you walk into the salons, you, you'd, you'd walk in and go, oh yeah, I feel this is the chapel because there are some certain things around the salons that we do because I've listened and heard what people disliked about being in a hairdressing salon. Um, and so that's been really important to me that actually we didn't grow a salon that all looked the same. We actually use the personality of the building. Like when a guest comes to us, we would look at that guest as an individual and help her to be herself. So it'd be really wrong of me to make every salon look all the same um, because it would never feel right. You've got to sort of, mm. Um, stand there and feel what this salon could be like. And that's where Toby actually is really good. He'd stand in a building. He would always find the buildings and take me and I'd go, oh, I'm not sure. And then, But he would he would understand what where I'm coming from is what I want to provide. And he would sort of have the bigger vision of what the building can look like. Mm. Um, but for me, it's like people say, oh, you're really clever at interior. And I'm not, I say, I'm not. I'm just basically understanding what a customer really really wants to feel and I absolutely totally understand how I can empower a stylist to be more than a hairdresser when she's working so hard every single day so that's really important to me and um, people walk in and see that the mirrors are all in not on the wall because I a customer doesn't want to talk to the wall and we don't want to hear everybody's conversation we want our guests to come in a building and feel like she's the only person in that building that we're looking after she doesn't want to feel a hundred other people in there um, so people will walk in and say oh, it was really cleverly designed, but actually it isn't. It's all it's designed around a purpose. So if when you walk in, we give a lot of space to an area, what we call our conversation area. So we encourage our stylists to sit down on a sofa and encourage them to have a one-to-one -one conversation. And therefore, that it's all the small detail. It might be the building that's incredible, but actually that's only a small part of it. It's not just because we've got loads of money and we want to have buildings. It's because that helps, that helps people feel good. And people will sit on a sofa and our stylists will have a cup of tea or a glass of water with their, with their guest. So they can really come and have a, a conversation. So what you see in all the salons, when maybe you look at the pictures, it, they all, it all has a purpose. It's not mm. just there because it's a trend or it's a new, or it's a new fad. Is actually yeah. every single thing you look around has a complete pur purpose. Mm -hmm. If you look at the salons and the colour studios, there's always art on the walls, which actually is kind to the eye. But actually, when you look at it, you can um, you can see that it's there to teach the customer about um, a hair colour and why you choose a certain product that would use. It's all there for a purpose. Yeah, yeah, Toby. No, when, no. When, Sorry, I was going to say, when you said at the beginning that you'd made lots of expensive mistakes, was that, was that connected to you having this passion for unusual buildings and then signing on the dotted line and thinking, oh, my God, what about water? What about drainage? What about electrics? How do you make all that 
in a chapel or how do you make all that in a schoolroom or a Victorian pub? I mean, is, is that where those expensive mistakes are linked to? I think I'll, come, I'll come, come back to that. But just going back to what you said about where to be in what towns, the reason at the end of the day, it's, it's first of all, is it the right town? Is it the right space? And so on. Then is there a building within or even near that town that works for us? And that means, does it have the space that we need? Because that is exactly what the brand is about, giving people that space, that time to talk and bond. Amanda talked about the conversation area. Most people that have ever been to our business would go, why you put loads of chairs in there? And you're like, because, you know, this is the important thing is we've got three times as much space because we're not on the high street in the first place. Yeah. Um, and, and so on. Um, and then, you know, going, going back to, 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 to what Amanda says, you know, she talked about mirrors not facing the wall. We, we, there is not a chair in the building that faces the wall because that's an uncomfortable place to be. So um, those things were, were founded very early on, you know, the huge consultation space, um, making sure that, that each, each, each mirror is 90 degrees to the wall, even though it's a piece of glass, it really does separate that conversation. Um, yeah. And, you know, um, that, that they're the things that have set us apart in terms of, of that business. So I would walk into a building and I'd just know within 10 seconds whether it was right or not and where I could put everything, I could see that. And that's just luck, luck, I suppose. At the end of the day, we've all got different natural skills. And, and for me, it was just luck that I could go, right, that's going to go there, 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 and that's how that's going to work. And that's how we sort of saw it. Um, going back to your question about expensive mistakes, to be fair, not really. I mean, yes, we've invested hugely in, we had a, we had a day spa in Tunbridge Wells. Uh, we won, you know, we won awards and stuff with with that, but it but it wasn't our core business. It wasn't what we knew. So for me, hairdressing, beauty are very very different things. Beauty was a huge and expensive mistake in what we did. Mm. Carry on doing that. They are so different as businesses. Certainly in the UK, they mm. really are completely different things. And we'd have customers who'd come in for one or the other, but not both, and that was so odd. So. Mm. So understanding and knowing that your space is valuable and where you can take the most value from it was very much where we were. That was definitely hairdressing. In terms of um, in terms of the, uh, the, the 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 buildings themselves, one of them, yes, we we've done things that are slightly crazy, expanding when we just launched a product range, and the product range we invested a huge amount of money in uh, in in what we now consider is potentially the wrong arena for us whether whether it's wrong or whether the product was bad or not is 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 is, 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 is takes away from the fact it cost us in cash an awful lot of money we don't mm. we don't look back with regret but then at the same time we also launched two businesses uh one of those costs several hundred thousand pounds more so in terms of the buildings themselves in the main they've been great investments and we've we've been able to do them and they've always ended up looking amazing one of them through naivety in terms of change of use, ended up costing an awful lot more. So that was that was the expense there. But right. I think we've got incredibly strong foundations now to, to build forward. Yeah. Um, so. uh, are you able? Have you been able to to own the properties, or are you tenants in the properties? Because that's often um, one of the good advantages of being not in the West End. You know that. Yeah, very much. Um, the one in Tunbridge Wells was the first one. Um, we bought that through through members of the family, so that is owned by the, by us, the company. Um, mm. 
Slington was uh, is owned by a, a, a charity, so there's no chance of us buying that one. Seven yes. Oaks, we we did buy. We bought the freehold, and we're in the process of paying down the mortgage. And then the other two, as part of the lease, um, we've got agreements with 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 the options to purchase. Um, which is which is when COVID hits, unfortunately, those times run out very quickly. But but you know, very much part of the, part of the idea is giving us that option. Interestingly, when you purchase a property, it does tie up a huge amount of cash. It's great if you're if you've got a very long term strategy, but if you want to grow more quickly, you are better off leasing. So it's 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 the balance, and that's why we take the options rather than sure. jump straight in with a huge deposit, which which takes up all your cash. Yeah, good uh, advice. Okay, Amanda, I read somewhere that, you know, it talked about that you had an epiphany one day and uh, that you needed to get some balance back into your life. And reading between the lines, you took some time away from the business to sort of reevaluate the business and you and how you wanted to treat clients and all that. I think in the, you know, reading between the lines, you were sort of, you know, on the treadmill of like just work, work, work. and that that sort of also reflected that that wasn't who you wanted to be, but also it wasn't what you wanted your business to be. You've touched on that already a little bit, but do you, do you want to talk to us about that, that moment? Yeah, that's quite deep. And I think it's stylists out there maybe listening to this can identify this very much. So when you are with people hourly talking, helping people feel good, you give so much to other people that actually and that you get rewarded by that because actually you get you you get rewarded because you're helping people feel good good you see a result but actually it's a very wearing to oneself if you're not looking after yourself and I think over the last 10 years I think being a stylist has become much more demanding not just in being able to cut hair but actually being able to be successful you've had to be able to give a lot of yourself to other to the person in front of you and when, you, when you're passionate about that, you give your all. And I, and I did experience a really a not a pleasant burnout, really. And at the time, I did this brave thing where I sat up in the boardroom with Toby and a few others and said, you know, what? I think I need some time out. It was a shock, really, because I never thought I'd be that type of person. But I'm really grateful now because it's given me what we have right now. And it gave me an experience. I took a year out, if not more. And I went off and I found people to help me because I've always been helping other people. So I found people who could rebuild me and help me. And over a year, I thought, do you know what? If I'm feeling like this, I want to be able to share this with the stylists that work in my team. So I gathered the people that helped me and we paused for three days and I made the salons shut for three days. And I put together this amazing, which I felt was a gift for my stylists, really, for the fact that I wanted them, I wanted to help them never experience what I experienced. And so I think that's what you're, where you're coming from. You saw in the video that we did like a, a retreat and I just wanted to give back to the stylists, really, and sort of share with them that I know what you're going through. When you're giving so much out, you need to look after yourself. And I think going forward, actually, it's vitally important. And that's where I feel as a brand that I feel... It's really important as a salon owner that you you might watch out for your guests or your clients, giving them great service. But we've got to look after the stylists right now because especially, particularly right now, I see some stylists that take on a lot. And I feel even now I'm feeling about how I'm going to change maybe some of our training and maybe give them better um, 
resources to maybe have even deeper, better conversations with their guests because they're becoming deeper and therefore I need to support the stylists and make sure they're getting training for this because they're not therapists, but they take on a lot of stuff and I feel responsible that, um, to, to help our stylists to get through that as well. I would never want them to feel like I did, but actually I love it now because it gave me this experience that I can give back. Yeah, I mean, that really came across, um, you know, on the in, the in the videos that I looked at, et cetera, and talking to you, you know, today. And, you know, it, it, they're just simple things, but they really stood out to me that you you talk a lot about, and you've talked about it already, you know, how do you want to feel, okay. not, not how do you want to look in terms yeah. of clients and staff. And, and it, you know, you sort of talk, you don't maybe use this term, but you, you're very much about nurturing the, the spirit and, yeah. and your salons are very much about hospitality and they're about care as well as obviously doing good hair. But there's this whole other, you know, Toby mentioned it before. He said it's about conversations, not consultations. And, you know, okay. you've, you've alluded to celebrating the individual uniqueness and all of these things are sort of, you know, they're so obvious to, you know, for me coming in cold to sort of yeah. look at it and go, wow, this is great. Like the values that you encapsulate within the brand. Did, did that, that retreat, was that a one-off thing or is that something you, you do on a regular basis or many versions of it? I mean, I can imagine yeah. it was an expensive event. We do many it. versions of it now. We don't just, we do many versions of that. But I think what I was noticing at the time is that, being an individual is really important to me for the future and being heard is vitally important. And I think that's what, um, when people come to us, that's what they need. And I think I've done all those sort of, um, these things because it's important to me. And I just noticed in, in our industry that we were getting more and more into price lists, more and more into labeling a type of color. And we were actually becoming a bit robotic. We weren't doing hair like I used to do hair, like creative and be having a conversation about how somebody really wanted to feel. We were like, how do you want to look? And they're bringing a picture of somebody else. And then there's this real trend that everybody wants to look like everybody else. And I just got caught up in this real wind one day and thought, what are we doing? Like, we're losing this real stuff of what hairdressing really is by putting it all on a price list or just time, like, in and out, in and out, money, money, money. And I was like, it can't, I think that was partly really what, what affected me a little bit because I didn't feel like what I'd signed up to do. Mm. I felt like we're all on a treadmill and there was this real trend. And so I think, yeah, you need, might need to boost, you might need to put me in a direction there because I've got, I've, I could really feel what I've just said, but I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, in terms of, in terms of, you know, looking back at, at where we were, you're talking about whether we invest in these many things. I think everything evolves over a period of time. I think what Amanda and Sue who is um, one of the senior members of the team who, who looks after the team with Amanda and comes up with the ideas should be enormously proud of throughout COVID enforced lockdowns in the UK we had lockdowns where where we were shut for nine months of the last year but particularly between Christmas and the reopening in in April for us investing virtually doing the same thing so that around about five hours a week there were there was stuff laid on for our team to either train train in skills train in 
um, mental health or, or, or mindfulness or well-being and all those different things. And I think those things can sometimes be underestimated and they should be hugely congratulated for those things because when, when the doors reopened, there was an enormous demand on other people. But our team are seemingly very, very well set up for that. I mean, unbelievable pressure for the first six weeks, you know, of, 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 of client demand or guest demand. Um, but, but they should be really, really proud of what they set up um, and doing those different things. And I think that investment in itself, working even harder when we were closed, is, is potentially what's, what's hopefully going to pay off for us. Because I think, you know, there is either I'm just going to earn as much money as I can or is there is I'm going to have a great lifestyle and I'm going to earn good money and I'm going to have these opportunities. We've got people who are close to their 70s still cutting hair because of the way we work. And for mm. me, that makes me enormously proud that we don't have everyone leaving the industry in droves in their mid-30s because it's not their industry anymore or it's too hard or it's all those different things. So those, those are things that I'm really proud of. I don't take personal responsibility for it, but I support it wholeheartedly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Congratulations to Amanda and, and Lou for, for, for making those things happen. Yeah. Amanda, with, with uh, again, something I read, I've been, I've been stalking you. Um, yeah. Yoga came into it. Um, did you go off on some retreat or something and you had some sort of, you know, awakening about the importance of all that, you know, like mind and body and, and brought that ethos back into the salon? Or, or am I reading into that too much? I'm really loving you for that. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, again, it was my story, but I just go back to, I just felt like we were all losing individuality. We were all becoming somebody else. or want, We were competing, comparing our own lives. Um, and that was driving my our business somewhere, but it was also driving team members and customers that were coming into the salon. I was just identifying a rhythm that was actually not very great. And I think being connected with oneself again, whether it's your mind, body, soul, being real true to yourself, actually you can get a much you get much more fulfillment. And you and I just felt that the world was coming to this really not such a great place where we're all um, becoming each other. And I think God, I, I've got a responsibility for the younger generation to help them be themselves um, because we're not. We're you know. I just got, I don't know, there's this big thing about people coming in just wanting to look like everybody else. There was a, hair, there was a, a name for hair colour. Everybody comes in and asking for it and we go away and just put it onto someone's head. But we forgot to actually say, well, what is it you want to feel like? How do you want to be? What do you want to look like? And, and I was losing that as a stylist. And I can imagine many stylists that are listening to this right now can go, yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. Well, I feel that I've got a responsibility to help change that. Mm. And if I can change that by supporting people to be themselves, then we're going to be in a much happier place. Okay. Um, it's just an experience. And I think everything I do, I try and bring it back into the salon or bring it back into my world. Mm. Okay. So, Toby, let's talk about money, um, because that was my whole original reason for getting in touch with you, was to talk about your price structure. So uh, do, do you want to explain how you... Uh, charge for your services and and then I'll sort of dig in and ask any questions 
that the, the sort of listener might be thinking about, you know, what about this or what about that or how does this work? Oh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a story around how it all came about um, and, and, and both of us take credit for it. So, uh, so yeah, you get slightly different Can I butt in here? Because actually I do have a story and I can think of lots of people listening to this will relate to this. There was a point of hairdressing where people would come in to me and say, I'd want this. And I'd be looking at them going, seriously, you only need a few highlights and a gloss. And they'd say, yeah, but how much is that? And I'd say, oh, I don't know, be this. And then, no, no, I want my highlights. And I'd be thinking, I'd go and mix up the colour. And I'd be like, God, I'm just doing something because somebody's asking me to do it. I don't, I've lost my creativity and I've lost respect that I can look at somebody and maybe help them feel good. It was just like, no, I don't want any of that. I just want, I just want what's on the list. I just want to be a partial set of highlights or forehead. And I'd be thinking, oh, I'm feeling really devalued as a, as a human and I'm losing my creativity. And I just felt that it was time that we sort of sold more time and more experience to helping that guest to understand what she was going to be having on her hair because of what she was as an individual. And at the time, I remember being really frustra- a very frustrated hairdresser. You know, I'd be looking at them going, we only need this. And they'd be like, no, no, I don't want that. And I just felt like, God, if I keep doing this in another 10 years time, all I'd be doing is it's almost like prescription. I'd be just giving people like a doctor. I'd just be listening to them and giving them a drug. It's like, I don't want to do that. So I took this brave sort of mark to say, well, let's maybe charge by time. Now, Toby has a difference. <laughs> um, I mean, from my point of view, it, it's a slightly different look at it, but it's but similar in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the, the most complicated thing on planet Earth, you'd have to be a rocket scientist to really understand it, is, is, is hairdressing price lists. There are lists of different seniorities for different amounts of this or that or the other. Um, And for me, there were two massive disadvantages to it. One, there was no predictability about what a stylist was actually going to do and what they were actually going to charge for. uh, And therefore, you had no forward forecasting. And two, hairdressers, by their own nature, want to help people and therefore massively devalue what they do. So the amount of times I'd hear someone come to the desk and I go, right, so you doing a partial, a regrowth, a haircut, and a treatment today. How, how, how long is that going to take? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but you've booked out this amount of time for I'm, 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 like that, like that. And then, and then they would spend a, 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 an hour and a half putting packets in people's hair that they didn't really need to try and justify the price of a full head of highlights. Or they'd come up to the desk and they'd go just a partial today really quietly because they they, they mm. devalue what they've done and yet they had done what what someone would perceive as a half head of highlights so the question i asked was what is a half head of highlights and i got from five different stylists five different completely different answers about what each of those things were and then at that point there was a realization that there was a massive disconnect between what was being done and and you know that creative process and you know if it People would often say, I can't afford the regrowth, can't afford the regrowth, I don't want to do that bit. And, and for me, it was about saying, right, what would we earn in, in the hours that we do? There is a skill set, you know, solicitors charged by time, accountants charged by time, people that are giving their time and their services charged by how long it takes to do something. And, and I thought that, that should be able to work for us and it should uh, make, make an advantage. So we worked out roughly what an hour's worth of time would do and then we said to our stylists 
while you've got this time with this 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 customer or this guest, tell them what you want. Tell them tell them what you want to try and achieve. And it made the customer actually often have much much better results. Things that were more positive for them. It also meant that the customer knew exactly what they were going to pay before they came in the door. There was no awkward conversation at the end. Um, and um, and 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 those things were, were big advantages. And 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 the thing that's come about now is when I look at some of my stylist columns and I say, you've got two four-hour colours in, colour and cuts in, and and a, you know a, a, an hour's gents cut for a nine-hour day or a ten-hour day. That's your you're fully booked. So they're seeing three customers being completely fully booked. Those customers are delighted because they've got that one-on-one attention and service. And then they rebook and rebooking and retention is, is the number one key to the business. Uh, yeah. Stop. So, so, so for us, all of those things were advantageous and it was very easy for us to, to sell to our customers what it was going to be because they, they knew where they were before they came in. And those were all the, the advantages. Sorry, Amanda, did I miss something? No, so so you, you charge by the hour. So what is the hourly rate that you charge? Um, well, it starts at fifty pounds an hour, and it goes up to a hundred pounds an hour currently um, in ten pound increments. So fifty, sixty, seventy upwards, um, and there's room for for growth within that. Uh, and then we help to promote people through those by skills training, uh, retention, and uh, how many hours they're billing currently and that helps them progress up the ladder uh and increase their salary and so on and so on okay so it's a level system um there's five levels between 50 pound and 100 pound an hour and so mm-hmm. they progress up that level system with seniority and, and etc yeah i mean it's seniority in terms of price but not in terms of of of, of, of name they're, they're all stylists as far as we're concerned they all have okay. a brilliant that it may be age, it may be time within the business, it may be the way they've got their, 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 their customer lists, guest lists, and yeah. so on. And those are the things that do that. But there isn't a, a senior stylist or a this or a that. It's just not our culture. Right. Everybody so, is on a level. And if, someone, if a trainee comes in, they would do the same thing. They yeah. would have customers, even though they wouldn't be paying, they would have customers in in the same way. So the guys do their hair washing, they do all of the sweeping of their sections, they do all the finishing, they do everything. In the way that some at salons would have juniors, we we have that as an inclusive system, so everyone's an equal. Okay, well, well, that was something I was going to ask you because it, it does. It's the only bit that sort of left me feeling a bit. Oh, I'm surprised they don't do that, and that is that you don't have assistants or juniors. Um, what what's the thinking behind that? Because that surprised me a little bit. Um, well, do you want to do you want to answer that, Amanda? Or? Um, well, because we kind of do in a way, because we're one, one of the things that I've, we're a team um, and we look after our surroundings and we look after each other. So we haven't really needed that sort of what the, the culture would be an assistant to help us clear up behind us. We do it ourselves. Yeah. We do bring stylists in and we help them evolve as stylists. And that's our main priority is to help people feel good to become a stylist. So we do look after the next generation and we do train. We do amazing training programs and we're currently involved with that even more so. Um, But we don't have what everybody would call juniors to look after us. We look after each other and that's really vitally important. Um, Our guests see that and feel that, that we are one and we look after each other. 
Yeah, and I mean, we, I think we, we also, yeah, we also invest uh, heavily in what we call our hosts. And those hosts look after guests throughout their journey uh, and they see them, but they also support, they, they get drinks, they also support the rest of the team. But everyone within the team hosts through to stylists is responsible for doing the towels sometimes and folding things up and doing whatever. When we bring somebody in, we may invest six months of our time or more in training them and paying them a, a living wage. Um, but but the, with, the, with the goal to get them on the floor as, as quickly as we can at that higher value. Okay. But we don't want to distinguish between people from the start. We want them to understand that this is the culture from the start. Um, mm. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the way we prefer to do things. Um, I think you lose so many people through that sort of trainee or apprentice type route because they're not treated that well and they don't get paid very well. And, and that, is a, that is a challenge. But, yeah, investing that time in, 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 in everyone being an equal. So, so from someone coming in who, who's doing their training to someone who's charging £100, there's an expectation across the board mm. that we all out for one another. And I think that builds a, a, a culture, um, whether it be yeah, good yeah. or bad or indifferent. I, I, I suppose the reason it surprised me that you didn't is because of what you just said, that a lot of apprentices and stuff are not treated very well. And yet with everything that, and I, and I think a lot of it comes from Amanda, uh, but with your whole sort of people, you know, nurturing, looking after people, caring about people, that if they were going to be treated well anywhere, it would be with you. So, so I suppose that's why it's sort of surprising. Well, why don't they have a, apprentices? Like, because you would treat them really well and it would be a great example. I mean, it's just me looking at it like that. Yeah, I think, do you know what I think? Over the last sort of five, six years, there hasn't been anybody that has been inspired to want to come be a hairstylist. But I do think going forward, we will be an industry that people will want to become a part of. And I think I can feel it now. I can feel young people coming wanting to be a stylist be a hairstylist again because I think of what mm. we're doing showing um, so I find that really interesting and I think we're getting ready for that so in the future you know I, I, I for me if I can if young girls want to be a stylist I would have open arms to actually help somebody become the hairdresser they've always wanted to be so I'm really excited about our future because I think this is the time that people are going to be looking at this as, as a as an industry to join and um, I'm really excited about bringing that on board for us because I think we can, we don't have to be like it used to be, like you have to start at the bottom sweeping hair and, and doing the towels. This is about connecting with people and getting young people to connect with people and help people feel good and you get so much back from that. I think you can involve somebody really brilliantly and we're doing it right now and I, I'm really proud of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I am... Um... I have some grave concerns around the business model though around the world, uh, the booth rental system in, in the US, um, chair renting in the UK, self-employment, uh, and, and therefore that being a very much a selfish sort of uh, everyone out for themselves model. And seems, you know, you've got, you've, got, you've got businesses that are set up to do that, things like, um, you know, Uber and um, Deliveroo and all those things where it's a gig economy. And, I do think that, that culturally we have to see a shift because, you know, salons that are set up to do the training and so on employ people on attitude. They train people, they invest in them hugely. And actually there's a huge fiscal disadvantage for doing so. Um, yeah. And I think without real, real change within, 
in the industry or real understanding of that, we, we may lose a lot of that talent. But for us, as I said, if if, if person has got the attitude, we know they're going to make it, we will invest in that. And we'll do that in a very different way. We'll actually mm. treat them hopefully like a stylist from day one and get them yeah, yeah. doing the things we want them to do. And actually that more intensive training leads to a return quicker for us as a business. Um, I think having a junior system, what you, you know, whether you, whether you like it or not, the stylist will start to rely on them to clean their sections, rely on them to wash their hair, finish things when they're in a hurry. And that will take some of that advantage of, of having the time to do those things away. You know, the yeah. whole, we're trying to get our stylist to spend as much time as is needed and the guest wants with them. And they shorten appointments to try and make it better for the customer. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, the model is about saying we only need a finite number of customers because all of these customers are happy coming in for that, that period of time with, with their stylists. Yeah. You know, the ones who cram people in get burnt out. And that's, that's against what we, what we do. Okay. Um, I just want to go back to the money thing a little bit for how you charge. So yeah. I ring up a guy. Um, I ring up and I say, how much is a haircut? What's your answer to that? It's not, it's a, it's a real, we something that we're, I think it's something interesting because we've all sort of programmed to go, what is it for this? And what is it for the cost? Um, what I'm trying to say is when somebody rings up, it's about, Let's book you in. Oh, actually, you answer that, Toby, and then I'll think about as, it. As a, as a standard, because, we're, because, we, because it's actually a completely balanced system. You know, there isn't a men's and women's. It's, it's, it's yeah. not sexist in that It's respect. a time thing. Yeah. We talk yeah. about time. So we say, well, we say ordinarily, um, ordinary for a, a, a guy's haircut, we, we allow 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. We also, and depending on your length of hair and so on and so on, we'll talk about that. Um, but we allow an hour. That first visit, we allow a 15-minute complimentary getting to know each other time, overrun sort of time. Um, and and therefore, you will be charged a maximum of 45, however long it takes us. Um, uh, with colour, it's a consultative process. So there's a half an hour consultation beforehand where we do a patch test, skin test uh, for safety. Uh, mm-hmm. And that half an hour, we discuss what 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 the process is going to look like, how long we're going to need, and then there's a, almost a quotation. So it's a complimentary consultation in that respect. And we'd offer that same for, for haircuts if necessary with the 15 minutes before, if people were unsure about that. And and for ladies, it tends to be 75 minute appointment, um, and and we charge for one hour. But again, if we're talking about really long hair, we're gonna the guys on the phone are going to do that. It's why we don't have online booking. It's why we don't mm-hmm. have um, any of those sorts of things, because for us, human to human conversation is the only real way to make it bespoke and make it make it different. So, yeah, there are some caveats, but around about that sort of sort of level is where where we're at. Yeah. Some guys take an hour, some guys take an hour and a half, some have color, some don't. It's, the, it's that sort of process, and those pe- people are buying into into that rather than rather than the product, I suppose. Yeah. Do you? Um... Do you charge separately for the product? So if I'm doing a colour and I decide that this hair needs a treatment, you know, do I, do I upsell that treatment or am I just at liberty? I can put on any treatment I want. I can put on Olaplex. I can do whatever I want to do because that's all just built into this hourly rate. 
or is it is it like the sort of vish or salon scale model where they charge for time and then on top of that they will say and this is the cost for the product that we used so i mean the 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 in the way it's evolved for us is is always from the start it was about all of the color being included um redkin is the color that we use so highly conditioned color in itself anyway and the only additionals would be uh, specific treatments and services that, that sorry, it's just treatments that get added on. So uh, Olaplex or, or um, the Redken equivalent or, you know, Kerastase treatment, those things are additional things that if people felt the need for them, we, we would add on um, because they are, they have a significant cost, but, but basically everything is built into to our pricing model and that's how we've always done things. You're we do, right. Yeah. We do use fish ourselves to 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 you know make sure that we've always got the right color and try we're attempting to reduce the amount of waste and so on and so on so that's you want to still be efficient if you're doing that but we don't charge extra for extra packets extra colors or anything like that okay and last question on that is is you've got six different salons in six different locations one of them is very much in london um, I'm imagining that the rent that you're paying per square foot in London compared to, you know, one of your other locations, um, you know, is, is going to be higher. So what I'm asking you about is, is it the same pricing system everywhere or do you factor that in that certain spaces might be, you know, more expensive to occupy in the first place? Uh, it's, 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 it's 50 pounds up to a hundred pounds in each of those spaces. Right. Um, um, we we understand that the market is different in central London, and therefore, therefore, stylists may 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 ch- be at a higher level for, for okay. that. Yeah. Obviously, business sense build that in, but that means that training has to be even better for those. So we have to to invest in those people. So yeah, there is a business model, and in London at the moment, the pr- starting price is sixty pounds because of the additional investments and so on uh, yeah. there. But but but. In terms of across the board, we're, we're aiming for a certain level for a £50 stylist, 60 70 and upwards. And we want to be consistent across across the brand in the same way as other brands want to be consistent in what they do. And I think because the customer already understands what they're going to pay, yeah, and they've already been quoted for that, there's no nasty shocks or surprises anyway with what, with what we do. Yeah. And I- do, do, sorry, Amanda. I, and also, I just wanted to add about from a stylist point of view is that what's lovely, what I see is the stylists sort of with fire in their belly when they're talking with their guests. They might, you know, for that visit, they might be doing a, a an hour appointment, but the next time they would be saying, right, the next visit, we, we always be talking about the next visit and what we're going to be doing. So what happens is to us, a stylist point of view, they have a real sort of clear vision of where they want to help that guest feel where they want to take them so it's not really just on a one appointment it's always about taking that guest through a journey and so they feel really responsible about how they can help that guest feel good within that sort of seasonal sort of year really so the appointments are never the same and they're the stylists are really responsible for making their column look like the dream column they want it to be as a stylist not back-to-back hair appointments so going back to the creativity, you know, we have some guests that will, some stylists would have four guests in the day, but we know that 
they've made that column six weeks ago to the column they wanted now, if you get what I'm saying. So it's really lovely to see stylists that are really creative and they are working together with somebody who's who's helping them be who they really want to be. So that's what's special Mm. about working this way is that they don't just do the same every time. They're maybe doing a three-hour appointment one one month and then the guest comes back six weeks later and she might have an hour appointment because there's that real consistency of that person helping that person feel good. Yeah. So there's no specialists. There's no colorists and stylists. Exactly. Everyone is multi-skilled. Everyone does everything. Yeah. 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 That's, how it, that's okay. how it works. Yeah. What, what's the biggest, you know, if a salon was thinking of going this direction, what is the biggest pushback that they're likely to get from clients? I think it's what I think it's lack of understanding, really. I think for us, it's been easy. People always put that question in and I found it really easy because I got it in my gut and I could share it and I could share the why. But yeah. if you just think, oh, this sounds good, I'll do this. It's really difficult to put in place because you will get those knockbacks. You will get customers going, yeah, but I'm sitting here for an hour with my color on and I'm being charged. You have to be able to really feel it and understand exactly why you're doing it. And I understood it from the point of view that it was good for both point of views. It was good that the guest is going to be heard and that the stylist is going to become really creative again and then working together, you feel it. So it's, you know, it's really difficult, that question. It's both people's, it's yeah. kind of like, well, there must be, a, you know, how difficult is it? I'm like, it is actually quite difficult to go from a price list to now sort of saying you're going to get charged by a time. But I think it's more around not talking about, we charge by time. It's about, it's more about how do you want to feel and what I can do to help you. And this is more fair because actually it is more fair for the guests. First yeah. of all, she knows how long she's going to be spending in the salon, which is one of the mm. things they hate. They're like, they will, you know, sometimes I go in and so-and-so gets behind and I'm sitting here with a, pa- with a conditioner on left on my head. And, and you kind of knock it's horrible to feel like you devalue your guests' time and you just look at them and go, well, you have to sit and wait for me. I think mm. people understand how long they're going to be in the salon. They know they're going to be leaving when we say they're going to be leaving. Um, and I think that's respect for one another. They know how much they're going to be charged. There's no hidden costs, which is one of the things that guests still hate. You know, they could come to pay and they didn't realise they were being charged for coffee or a conditioner or whatever. So I think it's when you can share that real passion about why you're doing it with your guests and taking your guests on that journey and maybe just planting the seed, you know, you know, I've been inspired by this. What do you think? And then giving yourself like six months to put this in place. Don't just do it overnight. Like, Oh, Mm. you know, this is what I'm doing now because they would feel a bit pulled back. But I think if your guests start to really understand the value about being heard, being listened, being, you know, all those things it's 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 um it's a joy actually and that's what it should be like yeah so you you're charging them for their time in the salon including processing time so it's like that's that's going to take about two and a half hours from beginning to end and for two and a half hours i'm a hundred pound an hour that means it will be 250 uh give or take 15 minute leeway because 15 minutes is the sort of that's the, the the shortest amount of time that you factor in am i right saying that yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did over, over lockdown go for, for a slight, slightly, or sorry. Yeah. But I think, I yeah. think here is what you're saying. I think this is where hairdressing is evolving. When we start saying, well, so I'm paying for me sitting here. I'm like, well, no, are we, people are coming to us 
to help them feel really good and they're coming for experience. And at this moment in time, there is nowhere where a person can go and feel good about self, feel like she's being heard, feeling that she can evolve. Um, that's why our hosts, are, I think our hosts, or if you call them receptionists, are more valuable to our salons now than ever because yeah. a guest is coming because she wants to come to a place where she can let go of her world and have an experience of helping her feel good. And yeah. so I think this is important times. It's like what you're doing, how you're helping that person feel good being in your space, really. And I look at it like they're not coming for service, they're coming to my home. So a host or a guest or, or a receptionist is there to help that guest feel safe at the moment because that's really important. Yeah. Feel like she's being looked after. Um, and I think that's, that's where we're looking at. We don't get people saying, well, so I'm paying for 20 minutes sitting here. No, because they don't even notice because they just notice that they're in this fa fa fabulous vibration of feeling good about themselves. Yeah, good. good. And that's what we need to create is taking away that, you know, like it's, it's a service. Head, hair, going to have your head done shouldn't just be a service. It should be more than that. Yeah. Um, we've run out of time. I can't believe it. Um, I just looked at the clock and uh, <laughs> realised that we need to start wrapping up. Sorry, Toby, what was that you were going to say? No, you were just saying about um, about the, the pushback. The bigger, I mean, the biggest pushback, and Amanda has answered all the questions, but is 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 um, what if you run over? What if you do this? What if you do that? And at the end of the day, always explaining that it's pre-quoted. We're not going to charge you for more than the, t the time that you've you, you've been booked, so you already know where you are. The other big thing is is that invariably in in other models, that stylist would be off doing something else. You have bought that person's time from start to finish they are therefore just focused on you and just focused on making sure that your hair is right from that start to finish point of view yeah That's so they might be sitting no there isn't a fitting it in between there isn't a running off to somebody else this is about you and your time only the quote we've given you for the amount of time it's going to take is an absolute maximum and if it takes less time then we're going to reduce that accordingly by, by 15 yeah. minutes and our, and our stylists are so involved in with that guest that they why the colors on they might be sitting looking at like making a mood board for the guests or they might be looking through pictures of where else they can evolve their hair or they might be given suggestions about what makeup to wear or you know yeah. i think hairdressing in the future is going to be so much more than just cutting hair it's about being there for somebody to help them evolve to be somebody they want to be and i think you know we, we say it's an hour it's not just an hour of a haircut we we might be teaching them how to put their hair up we might be showing them how to blow dry it we might be you know it's all these things that they can get on the internet well we actually do that within our within ourselves we're human we want to be talking to people who want to help them feel good about themselves so it isn't like robots where we just do a haircut and that's it mm. if we feel like oh actually you know, this haircut's going to take me not so long this time, then I'd be saying, well, let's let's show you how to put it up or let's show you how you can blow dry it differently. So it's being totally aware of, of a human being right now of how we can help them, not just it's the fact is we just cut hair so much more. Yeah. Last question I have to ask is, does that system for the stylist, is it better for them in terms of their earning potential? What sort of impact does it have on them? Uh, Look, 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 I mean, it's definitely better for them in terms of a working environment, a working day. 
because as we said you could have three customers in in a whole day and that's what your the expectation is you look after them um the ability to look after people means that they are retained more often and we have this retention number i mean we haven't got into reporting or how we pay people yet and and maybe we'll do that another time Mm. um but but in terms of where that is so that means their price can be pushed up earlier which means that their target becomes easier the way we pay people is by the number of hours billed so we have a a basic pay we have a performance bonus that is set for a minimum of six months so they know there's no huge fluctuations through commission up down left right and then there is a target of how many hours they bill in a week so it might say you're currently being paid x plus uh y uh, performance bonus and and you need to achieve 28 hours a week when you achieve more than 28 hours a week for a period of time then this is the next level you can go up to. And that stays again for a minimum of six months. Yeah. Um, and so there's much more stability. It's much, uh, it's much calmer. In the longer term, do I think people will earn more? Yes, that's a personal perception. But if, you, you know, if you're saying, can you cram in twice as much business into one day and charge people for 14 haircuts where we could only possibly do 10, then then maybe that when we're not the model for you, you know, in the longer yeah. term, can you charge more for that one hour? Yes, I believe so. And therefore the earning potential is, is, is really good. And I think we're really starting to see that within the business now in terms of where we are. Um, uh, and you know, that loyalty being repaid, I, I, I would suggest that, that there are more, uh, that there are more rewarding financially models out there, but I'm not sure they have longevity. I'm not sure that, that they, that, you know, I'm not sure that you wouldn't be moving within a few months, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and uh, I think you, people are going to get burnt out. So there's a, there's a balance, mm-hmm. but from a lifestyle point of view and a long-term point of view, yes, I think um, that there's more, more reward to it. And that's why we've got people have stayed here for 20 years. And, uh, and got- that is, and that is exactly the message at the beginning, wasn't it? Client retention and staff retention is a secret to successful business. If you do both those things, you know, you're on a, on a roll. That, that's, look, it's been amazing. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, where, where can people connect with you on Instagram or other social media channels? They can't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it's really, really sad, but it is about us being really true and honest to ourselves. They're not, they're not real platforms as far as we're concerned. Um, um, we're happy to come back and do this sort of thing again or yeah. do a Q&A or do whatever. Um, but or you can the- always send us an email. I'm very happy for anybody to connect with me personally. So it's amanda at thechapel.co.uk. Yeah. I, I yeah, I didn't really mean for them to <laughs> do one-to-one Q&A with you. I was sort of really meaning where can they, you know, like your website. I've been talking about your website from beginning to end. What's your, what's your website address? Um, you know, so that they can sort of see who you are and what it is that we've been talking about. Because for someone who doesn't know anything about the chapel, a little bit like me at the beginning, and then seeing, you know, I knew that you had a salon and I knew it was in a chapel, but that was it. You know, and then seeing all your salons and seeing the way you treat your team and all that sort of stuff um, on your uh, website, I, I just thought was very enlightening for me. And I'm sure other people would, um, you know, enjoy and get some value out of checking that out. So, so it's thechapel.co.uk. Um, there's, a, there's videos on YouTube and all the rest of it on there to, yeah. to see more and more. And, um, yeah, I mean, 
as, as Amanda said, we, we invite people to, to, to come forward. I'm not sure whether to answer everything in, in any way. And as I say, we'll be happy to come back. But for us, our truth is that, that, that those other channels aren't our thing. Yeah. Which okay. is a completely alien concept within this current environment where everyone says social is this and social is that and data is this and data is that. I honestly, truly believe the brands of the future will survive by connecting in a more meaningful way with people. And for us, that means we invest in a team of three who can answer calls and take all those things and a phone system and make sure we miss no, no calls coming in. And you know, technology plays a big part in, in what we do. It just needs to be invisible. Does that make sense? It, it does. A, it does. And it needs, yeah. tool, it needs to make the human experience better. And if it doesn't, yeah. then don't do it. Okay, like online well, booking, don't do online booking because it dehumanizes the experience. Okay. Well, it's very refreshing, you know, and obviously it works because you've got six very successful businesses and uh, an amazing culture and great reputation and, you know, yada, 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 won lots of awards, etc. So, um, yeah, congratulations. I think that's amazing. I'll put the link to your website on our, uh, in the podcast show notes so that people can check it out uh, should they want to. Uh, so to wrap up, if you're listening to this podcast with Toby and Amanda and have enjoyed it, then do me a favour, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to Instagram stories. Uh, so to wrap up, um, Amanda, Toby, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast thank you very much thank you for listening to today's podcast if you'd like to connect with us you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on facebook and instagram at growmysalonbusiness and if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast make sure that you subscribe like and share it with your friends until next time this is anthony whitaker wishing you continued success